misses out, that's okay. We'll be able to share it as well as share it on YouTube and other places. So this is Justin Dunn and I am here with Audra Christie. Now Audra Christie is what's called an executive coach because over her career, which has been at the highest levels in corporations, she has now transitioned into her own thing. And that means she can help you at work and in life to develop what's called executive presence. Now we're gonna find out more about what that is, along with a few tips on how you can augment your presence. I met Audra through her mentor, Mia, and that's because Mia and I share a mentor in common. So mentors, mentoring, mentors. And Audra is a remarkable human being with an incredible story an incredible career and we'll find a little bit about that today and now and of course at the end I'll invite you to find out a lot more by engaging with Audra so Audra welcome thank you so much I'm excited to be here I'm excited to have you here and I really appreciate you giving some time for me for us and I'm gonna adjust the lighting because I, I notice I look a little funny don't I <laughs> Like I'm illuminated. So what we'll do now is I'm going to ask you some questions. So I'm going to first and foremost ask you what's been your biggest challenge in business and how did you overcome it? Wow, so many challenges. But if I had to zero in on one, I think it was really understanding how important executive presence is in the workplace. Uh, most of my uh, internal customers have been at the C-suite and above, and I also um, I lead teams around the world. And I've noticed that if you don't know how to show up in the right way, if you don't know how to use your voice in the right way, it could be detrimental to your career. So I knew I had to quickly search out for a mentor at the C-suite level, just to kind of be the person in the room holding me accountable. But I think what people will learn, um, will learn by um, from working with me, is that you have to start thinking about executive presence when you wake up that morning. It starts with a mindset shift and a reset. And before you even get to the meeting, you already need to think about how you're gonna show up and what does that mean? Hmm, that's really interesting. I certainly can think of examples of people like what you talked about without any executive presence, but I can actually also think of some examples of people who are much older than you. So they probably didn't even study with you or even even heard the term, but had such remarkable uh, ability and acumen in their management style that they were a joy to work with and they got fantastic results. So they must have had naturally or not naturally some wonderful presence it's remarkable that you can now teach this and pass it on to people who may not be gifted uh with this as a natural ability but it becomes transferable so that there's kind of no more excuses for you know being a lousy executive these days i happen to be a member of something called the institute of leadership and management that's a fancy uk because i reside in the uk fancy group for exactly what it sounds like leadership and management and the values that they stand for the teachings that they offer are wonderful and remarkable thing one thing they don't teach though is those skills that you're coming in with 
potentially you should do a webinar for them uh, one day so that they could actually add that to their, you know, offering because they offer some of the skills they offer you know coaching skills they offer this they offer a lot of wonderful and amazing things but this side of things is brand new so let's let's talk about um you know what would you say your is the accomplishment that you're most proud of in business so far now i'm gonna ask you to pause for a second because when i ask this sometimes people say think it's like what's their biggest accomplishment and this is not a job interview I don't want to know your biggest accomplishment of how many millions unless that is genuinely what you're most proud of so for me as an example the biggest accomplishment I'm most proud of has nothing to do with money so you know I've been able to generate millions of pounds and for organizations but what I'm most proud of is is one man that I was able to help once at work because he was about to get fired for gross misconduct, never get a job again in the industry. And I said, hold on, I'm going to step in there. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, he was the highest performer on the team. Uh, customers set up a fan page for him and he was promoted to management shortly thereafter. He was about to get fired for gross misconduct and he ended up in senior management. So it's, I'm most proud of that. It's one man's life that I was able to impact because I, I saw something in him and that's what I'm most proud of, not the money. And so for you, it might be the money. I'm not trying to dissuade you from that, but what I'm asking specifically is the accomplishment that you're most proud of in business so far. Yeah, and similar to you, uh, there was a young lady that I met about six years ago, and she was on my team, and I knew that she had a deep level of competence when it came to merchandising. I knew that she was really the glue across the HR team, but she was invisible. And she was invisible because, again, I don't know why we do this in our world, either we tag ourselves as extrovert or introvert. And she was an extreme introvert. And I got promoted um, over the function and I knew that I wouldn't be successful without her. But I knew coming into the role that because she was an extreme introvert, uh, introvert that people didn't take her seriously because A, she wasn't a great test taker. And B, she just wasn't one of those loud mouths, right? You know, sometimes you go into corporations where um, you think, um, if you're good uh, with a the microphone, then you have a level of gravitas that's just, you know, oh my God, this cat's me out. And that wasn't her strength. And I knew that if I was able to unlock just the good, the competence, uh, you know, showcase her competency in a way that was beneficial to the organization, but more so, um, just give her an opportunity to be herself, then I can overcompensate for the things she's not good at. And we worked and we worked, and I mean, what a turnaround story. I worked on her executive presence. She just blossomed to this person that they're like, oh my gosh, because I let her be her. And one of the things as a leader, this is a leadership tip, play to people's strength. Let's stop all this nonsense about, oh my God, let's you know, play to their weaknesses. Play to people's strengths and either find other people or things that could make up for the deficit. So I'm really proud that she was able to find her voice in so many ways. That's remarkable. You helped her find her voice. So 
for all of us who have in the past felt invisible at work and funny enough on LinkedIn there's this feature about you know mentoring and giving people advice and so I scroll through it every once in a while and offer some you know just advice whenever I can and one thing which I didn't offer because it's not it's not something I do it's what you're doing um, is I saw someone saying that how do I gain visibility at work how do I get, and, and this is a common question that I see people there when they're lost in this big pond in a giant corporation like Experian or whatever. And it's like, well, how do I get visibility for what I do? I do put a lot of effort and heart into my job and I'm invisible. And I think that that is an interesting point that I would add to your, to your um, offering is that it's not just about executive presence, it's about managerial visibility. Because yeah, exactly, and I think I think that's a fantastic thing because so many people out there just feel invisible at work, unrecognized. And then how do the how does the performance evaluated when they're not the squeaky wheel? Because they're that's not just that's just not who they are. So how did having a core strategy um, play into achieving this accomplishment? Because I always knew. So there's two things here that. I have what they call gravitas, right? That it factor. So, and I've been told this and I've learned to believe it. When I walk into a room, I have presence. And while I'm not the squeaky wheel, I do have a level of confidence in my stature, on how I present myself, how I engage with another person. And then the second thing that I think definitely helped me in terms of my strategy is I know how to connect with people at the heart. So when we talk about networking, uh, you know, there's a, a book I'm working on uh, called Connect Beyond the Fleeting Hello. Like you have to figure out how to connect at the heart. And I'm pretty proud of myself. I was doing some uh, reflecting over the last couple of weeks and all of the executives that I've coached over my many years, I'm still friends with them. Like we connect often. And one of the things, which is another tip I offer is think about networking as an extension of those relationships outside of the um, workplace and always end or start your conversation with, how can I help you? So I never call them up saying, can you get me a job? I never call them up saying, oh my gosh, I may get you know laid off, what can you do? Because they know about me because I connect with them monthly. I send them, whether it's a male or female, if it's a male, I send them Father's Day cards. I don't send, I don't send holiday cards or it's a Mother's Day card, right? I understand their kids. They know what I'm good at, they know what I'm not good at, and they become references. So I knew I had like those two things. And when I take my clients through, you know, my three-step um, system, it's all about understanding your gravitas, which is your presence that you will, when you work with me, you'll never have an interaction where you will be invisible or just not or you walk away and the person doesn't go, wow, that was memorable. I want more of that person. You'll understand your position power, being able to look around two corners at the same time and understanding as an executive, the impact you have when you're dealing with associates that have not ascended to your level. And then I also work with them around just performance, right? Like you have to be able to perform at the highest level. And if you don't do that, if you don't have a team that uh, believes you or, or you're visible to your team, then you're just not gonna go far. So those strategies have really helped me to a fine tune, what are those three things that I know I'm good at, that I can teach people, but most importantly, you have to be able to connect with people. 
Because again, people work with people they like, they connect with people that they like. So I always try to think about, okay, if I'm connecting, then how am I communicating? That's wonderful. And there's a thoughtfulness in that. And yes. it's a, it may be a planned thoughtfulness because you send the cards and you might must have a, a method of keeping track of all of that and getting alerted to it. But there's a thoughtfulness to that. And whether it's planned or not, that's something that's greatly missing in our society today. I, you know, uh, you get alerts on LinkedIn, you get alerts on Facebook for people's birthdays and all that. So of course, everyone gets their wall loaded with happy birthday messages. But you know, but how many people get a card in the mail? I don't think too many. And so it's a, it's a level of thoughtfulness that is that transcends just, well, you're just a business relationship. You're just a transaction. And there's a lot of talk out there with some people about, uh, you know, transactional versus relational. And I know that Dr. Terry Levine, who's one of my mentors and, and Mia's mentors as well, talks a lot about that. About real, it's about relationships. It's not about the transaction for this one customer. And if you look at it in that limited way, that's limiting. But there's also, on a global scale, there's transactional economy. And unfortunately, that's the way the world is set up. So it engenders in us this, you know, what this, almost like effortless way of being where we think transactionally but that's yeah. because the economy is set up that way instead of a relational economic setup which yeah. may be transitioning soon who knows but the point is is that we have to actively choose to operate at that level because inertia will just take us into this sort of transactional what's in it for me how can i get something out of you i tell people you know my advice on networking and the reason i've been pretty good at it is because i just don't go to a networking event to get i go to give Absolutely. i don't go to get I'm, I'm not even i don't care if i leave there with zero with nothing not even a business card i'm fine because i've gone there to give to people not just to give them a business card uh, but to give them something of value in every relationship and every trans, every interaction that I have, because it's again, a relationship. I end up friends with most of the people I work with. And I know men some mentors like to say, well, actually, I'm not your friend. I'm your mentor. I don't, I shouldn't be your friend and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I don't know how to hold that back because I do something wonderful for someone. I actually care about them. And then it's like, well, you know, I care about them holistically. And, you know, the best example of that is, is you know, my recent folks that they, uh, you know, they, they had a business thing happen that was wonderful, but unbeknownst to them, some of their personal relationship improved as well as a result of those actions. So it, I impacted their relationship as well as their, you know, business. And so we end up friends. We end up wanting to spend time with each other that's like away from the professional. And I like I like that. I like that we can trust each other at that level. And that doesn't mean exploitation. That doesn't mean, you know, freebies galore. What it means is that, you know, we're friends and, you know, we make money together and that's cool, you know, because we help each other out and we develop that. Sometimes is there bartering? Heck yeah. Because that's a cool thing to do is to barter with people. Um, you know, I've got something valuable for you. You've got something valuable for me. Wonderful. And that, I think, is the way that relational economics will play into it. Absolutely. Well, thank you I for sharing. The level of intentionality. And, you know, I've carved out a nice group of my personal board of directors. And this is just, I think, one of the most 
wonderful gifts I can give to you all listening today. People like helping each other. Other executives love when you solicit their advice and you listen. You can't just say, okay, what do you think I should do? And then they tell you, and then you don't go do it. Like you really have to, as you know, our mentors say, you have to be an implementer. But people love it when you come to them for advice and you thank them for the advice and you tell them that their advice works. They love it. Oh gosh, of course they do. Who doesn't love it? Well, okay, your sociopath isn't going to like it, but you know, your normal people are going to love helping you to achieve something. So what are, you know, three to five key skills, moves, techniques that protect against failure? Now, I think you already shared two with us, so it's up to you how many more you go, but, uh, you know, protect us from some failure here with some moves, some techniques, some skills before we move yeah. on. Um, so as our mentors teach us, right, this doesn't work if you don't do all the moves, right? You got to make all the moves, right? But I think when it comes to executive presence, you have to really come clean with yourself and you need to tell yourself, do I have it or not? I think you know enough people that when you look at them, are they charismatic? Did they just have that it factor? What makes people go, wow, I really want to be around that person? You have to start studying the people that you want to emulate in terms of behavior and executive presence. And I talk about that in my program as well. The second thing, when I talk about position power, how many times have you come across an executive or CEO that thinks they should just walk around the building? Okay, that's a big no-no. And they don't understand that because at the center of it all, they really want to connect. Like they really want to make other associates or employees, whatever you call them, feel comfortable. But they don't understand when they engage with someone that's just say a project manager, that they're paid, the project managers are paid to be in the details. And when that project manager is speaking with their leader and their leader, sometimes you don't share everything. Not because you're holding back, it's just because, well, the CEO may not may not need to know that. So what happened is when the, what happens is when the CEO encounters the project manager, they get a level level of specificity or detail that maybe their direct report didn't give them. And then, then what does the CEO do? Classic happens all the time. They go back to their direct report and say, well why didn't you tell me that? So you gotta understand the importance of position power. And I'm using extreme CEO and project manager, but wherever there's a gap, whether you're one away from the top, five away from the top, you have to understand that when you enter a room, everyone thinks you're the CEO. <laughs> so you just have to be mindful of that. And then the last thing I would say is a lot of this is preparation before the interaction or before the meeting. And there's a level of, when I talk about being intentional, there's, there's some homework that you have to do. You have to understand, well, I call it, you know, studying the person you want to emulate. You have to understand what they like, what they don't like, what makes them tick, where do they like to sit. You know, if there's a half an hour meeting, I was, I was taught a long, long time ago by a very, very senior executive. If there's 30 minutes on my, um, on, uh, on the calendar for us to interact, then you need to get to the point in 15 minutes and you're golden if you can do it in seven. So you have to learn to communicate in a very, very intentional and articulate and precise way where they get what they need. And over time, they'll learn to trust. So those are a couple of things I would share. 
in addition fantastic to awesome yeah those are very very powerful very very powerful tips you just gave us which i think will stand people in good stead if they listen to if if they got nothing more out of this than those three tips if they didn't go further with you or me at all from here on out that will stand them in good stead for their careers going forward because those are very powerful. In fact, I can totally relate to what you just said because uh, earlier today uh, I had a, a board meeting <laughs> with, uh, with a group and I was asked to, you know, take, you know, up to, you know, 15, 20 minutes to, you know, get to the point and get my point across. And I, I think they were very, very happy when I think it, it came in under 10. Yes. And that's because there was chit chat at the beginning. And so, you know, because they just wanted to chit chat. So I'm not cool with chit chat. So we chit chatted. So it may have been seven. I was given 20. People, I think, prefer. <laughs> so there's something called over deliver. And of course, people like it when you over deliver, but not during a meeting, not during a business meeting or a board meeting or whatever. In, in that case, they, they don't want you. They much prefer that you go shorter, get to the point and done and you're out of there. Then you drag and drone on and on, which I'm doing. Well, we'll move on to the next question. <laughs> I just wanted to add one thing here and I yeah. uh, love what you just said. And I think that you can wrap that up in a bow with three words. Be bold, be brief and be gone. I like that. <laughs> be bold, be brief. Uh, the, you know, the bold and the beautiful, the bold and the gone, you know, bold, brief, and gone. <laughs> and out of there. Awesome. Yeah. So how has leveraging these proven strategies of yours affected your earning capacity? You know, that's, I love this question because, um, you know, a lot of this is really attributed to having a mentor. And as you've heard about Mia Redrick, I mean, she taught me early on, within weeks of working with her, to stand in my value. So when you work with me, you're getting over 25, 30 years of global experience, life lessons. So it accelerates for you uh, things that I've had to go through over uh, my time. And for me, I don't, um, I don't, I don't lessen my value. Like my price is my price and you, you're working with me for the results um, that I'm able to <clears throat> show and prove with, um, uh, with my clients. But I don't waver and I recognize that I'm not for everybody, but there's an audience, I think, for all of us actually. And for me, my earning power has definitely increased because I know what I'm worth and I don't compare myself to others because they may not value everything they bring to the table. So it's really standing in that value and being um, courageous enough to step into it and being courageous enough to step away from it. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because you have, um, and this is something so important and people kind of miss this. You have your education, you have your experience, both your livingness experience and your professional experience. And all of that translates into the acumen that you've developed as a business person, as a leader, and uh, both in work as well as in your own business. But you've also studied with mentors in your life all along the way. And, I, and by education, I just meant your school, you know, what, what degree you have. Now I'm talking about your you know enlightenment with mentors who have guided you along the way and you and i share uh, i think one or two in common yeah. and so 
people, when they tap into you, when they work with you, they're not just getting Audra Christie, they're also getting all that you've learned from these mentors. And that's not that you're plagiarizing them and like, you know, stealing their work. It's that you've learned and internalized all of these things for them and it's become who you are. See, it first starts, a mentor of mine says, see, it first starts as something that you do and then it's who you are. And so it becomes who you are and that's what you're transferring to your students. And that's why, in my opinion, this is something for people professional, you know, at work who are employed by an employer, big or small. But this could also work for people who are not employed, who want to develop a presence that's grounded in competency, that's grounded in gravitas, and all of these things that normally they don't teach, they certainly don't teach elsewhere, and so they can't get it from anywhere but you. So that might be valuable for someone, even if they're self-employed, and they just want more of that as they go into, let's say, a pitch meeting to pitch a new client to bring them in as a consultant. Someone like me, I could use it because when I go in and I try to pitch myself to corporates, and I certainly have been successful doing that, but not all the time. And I think that you could help me to achieve a better success as I walk into those boardrooms and try to get them to take me on to do something with their HR or this or that. And so this is for almost everyone. Probably not for unemployed people, unless they're looking for a job. And then in that case, you could probably teach them some great tips that are much more valuable than how can you give a canned answer to a job interview question, but how can you walk into that room and own it and then walk out of there with confidence, whether you get the job or not, but you've certainly maximized your chances of getting the job. So it could actually even work for someone that's unemployed. Absolutely. A retired person, maybe not. Well, no, because maybe they volunteer for places and they're gifting their time away. Right. Uh, and so they, they want to be able to, you know, fundraise easier or get people to accept the help easier and having that ability and that presence would help them to achieve that. So actually, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't benefit from, oh, well, a cadaver, maybe a corpse, maybe once you're dead, <laughs> then you cannot help them. And so this is almost for everybody. So I'm being funny, but only kinda. I'm actually being serious about that. So what was the best strategy that you ever learned and what impact did it have on your business? Oh, wow. You know, um, gosh, this was a few years ago. I was new. Hey, I've never reported to the CEO or the chief human resources officer, CHRO. And I was thrown into this business transformation uh, project for two years. And we were doing a stopgate analysis with um, the consulting firm. And I was leading it. And I didn't go into the meeting thinking I needed to review my presentation with someone else in the room so they knew what I was talking about. I just thought, listen, great opportunity. I got this. I'm going to showcase what I think I know. And of course, I'm going to be able to rise to the occasion. Well, that did not happen. The opposite happened. Um, I uh, got, we were talking about some finances and I'm a finance major. And when the CFO asked me the question, um, I inverted the numbers, but on the paper, they were right. So, you know, anytime you're in a, a 
executive meeting and you're asking for money, which was like 13.9 million for this two-year project, of course, they're going to do everything to try to say, you can't have it. And when I inverted the numbers, the meeting went completely south. And I just kind of, I was frozen inside, but there was nothing I can say because, or do, because they had already latched onto that number. And for me, once they hear it, you really can't recover in the moment. So of course, you know, I stood there and I took it and, you know, I left the meeting feeling like deflated, my career is over. But an executive pulled me aside and said, so let's talk about what never again happens, no, what never again looks like and sounds like, and never go into a meeting. And I'm just gonna talk about a corporate meeting, but I think it's just a meeting in general without the most senior person or another person knowing what you're gonna speak about. So if there's a moment where you're frozen or you don't know, someone else can come and save you. And I say that because I was able to develop an even deeper relationship with the CHRO that knew, you know, I was green, I didn't know, but it taught me if that's not my specialty, don't present it. And it's been helpful because I've been able to coach other executives to say, don't go in alone. You have to be, and it really speaks to being vulnerable. You don't know everything. You shouldn't want to know everything. It's not what you're paid to do at that level, right? Because you have lots of layers. But someone else needs to know what you're going to speak about. And it changed my life. And I never, from that day forward, <laughs> went into any meeting without having some kind of counsel, regardless of the topic, regardless of the audience, just to know I had someone else in the room to have my back. And it's wow, just monumental and transformational and shifted my mindset in that moment. Wow, that's that's cool because I'm gonna use that one. I'm gonna use that one and I'm not employed. I don't work for a big company or a small company or anything like that. So, but I'm gonna use that next time I'm heading into any kind of meeting, even I think I think for me, even if it's if if it's to pitch someone in the room, I will try to rope someone in and say, you know, do you do you have you know 10, 15 minutes so I can just discuss with you what I'm going to present to your people, because I would just like you to know ahead of time, uh, or something like that, just so that someone you know in a way has your back, you know, and in a way at least. And you know what, if they're planning your downfall because you've shared that with them, well, you, you dodged a bullet. You don't want to work with people like that anyway. So either way, it's a beneficial thing, whether it's someone to have your back, but to share that ahead of time, I think is brilliant uh, because uh, especially in the corporate world, but even the non-corporate world, just so that someone there can help you recover just in case. So that's, that, there's always an yeah. and there's always uh, a gotcha person. And that's good. I think it keeps you on your game, but trust. Keeps you on your toes, and and you know the thing is, is it's never happened to me, thankfully. But uh, but you know I'm gonna definitely use that strategy because that is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So now, what single strategy are you best known for? Oh goodness. Um, I would say I have the ability to read a room very quickly. And I also have the ability that when I'm speaking with executives to cut to the chase and really figure out what is the root cause of their behavior. So what do I mean by that? I have um, a couple executives I worked with last year and I just was noticing the person just needed too much validation. And my mentor 
Mia says, validation for parking lots. Like, you don't need that. <laughs> but why do you need so much validation? I just couldn't understand. She's new in role. I was helping her onboard. But every time we would speak, I just would keep hearing the same thing. So I look for patterns very quickly. And because I'm a expert at just diving into the root cause, I traced it back to some self-limiting beliefs that happened in her childhood when her mom noticed her brothers and sisters more than her and never made her feel like she would amount to anything. So she would then deflect that or want her boss to fill that gap. You can't do that. Like you are not the job. <laughs> like you are you because you're you. But if you never get any validation, you don't need it. If you're leading your people the right way, if you're showing up in your most authentic self, if you know that you're doing by, by if you know you're doing right by the customer, by your team, by your values, then that's all you need. So it was just, I'm able to kind of read those patterns very quickly. And we do a lot of work, you know, in my program, we start with growth and fixed mindset. And then we talk about self-limiting beliefs. We spend a lot of time there because that is not absent from the behavior and who you are today. And it gets in the way, it gets in the way. And it's not there. That is fantastic because that sounds like it is therapeutic. That sounds to me like you're not only helping people, you know, to do better at work, to make more money, to advance their themselves professionally. This is, you know, crossing the line into personal development, which of course is not a surprise to hear because I do that. I'm not positioning myself as a personal development or self-help guru or anything even close to that. It just so happens that there are certain, you know, blockages let's say in business that you can there is no other way to solve it other than to remove the mental blockage that is in the person who is influencing that particular system and by doing that everything else becomes easy it becomes downstream so i think that you are inevitably crossing the line into that because how is somebody going to develop executive presence when in their mind they're thinking that their boss is mommy you know or dad or or daddy or whatever when it's it's never going to happen that way and if it does happen that way it's sick and it's dysfunctional and it will end up in a bad way and so for people to understand that they're enough as long as they're you know ethically doing the right thing and not shirking their job responsibilities then i think you're you're helping people on a level that is you know not surprising but it is definitely not necessarily expected to have gone that far and that deep. So before we wrap it up, I wanna ask you, what's the number one strategy you're implementing in 2020? I would say, Helping my clients transform their power and position. Because the two are related, right? So sometimes I call it position power, but then when you when you separate it, you have to own your position, but you have to understand your power. And power is not bad until it's abused. And if you understand those two things, you show up as a servant leader. And that's what we want. And everything comes together. And the start of it is, how do we help each other? 
how do I help you by overcompensating year one because you don't know anything, right? So I'm losing money. Year two, I might break even. And year three, I'm starting to kind of get the hang of this of what's going on. But if you don't understand those two things separate and unique, then you're gonna miss the boat. So that's the strategy that um, I have my clients to really, really hone in on their position and their power. Yeah, so it sounds to me like you are empowering your clients and positioning your clients and they're able to then, you know, achieve, succeed and transcend whatever limitations were holding them back before they knew you. So why don't you share with us how we can learn more about your proven process? Well, awesome. This is exciting. Uh, so uh, send me an email, coach me, Audra, C-O-A-C-H-M-E-A-U-D-R-A at Gmail. Uh, once I receive your email, you'll get a free gift from me. And then you'll also get a link to have a free 30-minute um, strategy call with me, which is typically valued at $5,000. Um, but because you are... Uh, I guess, you know, on our podcast today or listening to what we're doing, um, I will offer that for free. And then we'll decide if we're fit for working for each other. That sounds amazing. Wow. So they don't just get a free gift uh, via email from you. They also, in addition, so they get, in a sense, two free gifts. They get a, a free call plus something else. A freebie which is a surprise, or do you want to tell us what it is? Okay, so you get a surprise as well as a free coaching call, which is incredible, which is an incredible gift. So that's two gifts. Two gifts. (laughs) But actually, actually, Audra, what better way for them to learn more about that proven process of yours than to experience you live, one-on-one, taster session, let's call it, or whatever you want to call it. They experience you live and they receive something from you that they can potentially use on their own. Absolutely. And that is no better way for someone to make an informed decision as to whether they want more. Although I would be baffled by anyone after that who wouldn't want more, but I think the question might be, can they afford more and is it the right timing when, and the right fit for them? So, yeah. and also, are they the right fit for you? Because you may not want to work with absolutely everyone. You probably have, I assume, some criteria, including ethical and moral considerations, which I certainly do. I turn some people away because I really don't want to have any regrets and saying, oh, yeah, I trained that one and they ended up embezzling or whatever and I'm like "Mm." so you can't be perfect because you can't be held responsible for you know someone who then misuses the the training like you know like a Jedi who turns to the dark side you know Uh, but on the other hand we want to at least try we want to at least try to help good people ethical honest people in this world who are advancing civilization and not destroying it so thank you so much is there anything that you would like to say or ask uh, at this point of me or of anyone watching and just to leave us with yeah no and this has been like so amazing thank you so much this has been a great opportunity a wonderful platform and i would just leave everyone with you know just 
always show up and be authentic and be yourself because you can't be anyone else. And at the end of the day, if you're authentic, people can see it and they can feel it. And if you're not, they can see it and they can feel it. <laughs> so just be the best version of yourself and just think about when was the last time you invested in yourself to get from point A to point B? Because investments aren't free, right? You think about I'm investing today for an outcome that could be 5X, 10X, whatever that may be. And it's not always just the dollar amount. It could just be in um, expertise or education or advice. But just thinking about how do you invest in yourself, it'll change your life. Absolutely. And so thank you so much for joining us today. I certainly learned quite a few tips that I will be implementing from now on. And so remember, if you want some free not just a gift, but a free session, a free coaching session one-on-one -on -one with Audra, no commitments, just free, super valuable session. You've got nothing to lose. All you gotta do is send a quick email to coachmeaudra at gmail.com. Coach, C-O-A-C-H, me, M-E, Audra, spelled A-U-D-R-A, coachmeaudra, at gmail.com and you get two free gifts. Do it. Do it now. Thank me later. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Audra. So I'm going to stop the live stream. So thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you so much. And I'm going to stop the recording.